Hi, everybody. I'm Daryl Cagle, and this is the Cagle Cast from Cagle.com. It's all about political cartoons and cartoonists and about the news and issues of the day. Today, we're talking with cartoonist Rick McKee, who drew the very first editorial cartoon with artificial intelligence. We think that's a milestone, and the cartoonists are just all freaking out about artificial intelligence replacing us, particularly the illustrators, because it does such a beautiful job, and so many guys are just going to be knocked out of work. It's kind of a time like the turn of the last century when photography came in and unemployed about 100,000 illustrators who would do advertisements and catalog illustrations and drawings of everything because there were no photographs. When I was starting out, the airbrush artists were very popular. Now people don't do airbrush anymore. When I was working with the Muppets, they hired lots of lettering artists doing beautiful logos and lettering for every project. And those guys had disappeared 25 years ago. And now, with all of these things that AI does so well, we're hearing the cries of anguish from mostly from illustrators who have realistic illustrative styles, the kind that they were pushing on us when I was in art school in the 1970s. And those guys are going to go the way of the catalog illustrators, the airbrush artists, the lettering artists. It's a scary time because it is so good. And not that many people have, have uh, mastered it like uh, Rick McKee. And Rick McKee has drawn the first editorial cartoon using AI. And here it is. It's the Pandora's box with a big AI-generated Pandora monster coming out of it. And a fellow's looking at the packing slip and he says, who the heck is Pandora? Hey, Daryl. I was playing around with AI, which I've done for quite a while now, for the past several months. And uh, I just sort of proved the concept. I wanted to see if I could actually do it, if I could do an editorial cartoon that could sort of be passed off as my style. And I, I think I was able to do it. Um, and I agree with you. It's a, it's a sort of a terrifying time to be an artist. There's technology available. Well, I think in editorial cartoons, we worry a lot about if AI takes over some of the editorial cartooning spots that we worry that it has no morality and what it thinks would be dangerous and disturbing. But the risk right now is that it draws so well and it's getting better. And, yeah, you know, you've, you identified all the things that it draws really well and have given us a lot of the images that you've come up with that just really impressed me. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you generated this image? I have a question yeah. for you, Rick. Um, have hey, you uh, for example, you came up with this particular uh, Pandora box image. What right. if you waited a whole day and went back and did the same prompts the following day? Comparatively speaking, it wouldn't create the exact same image, but how much of a variation would it create? Or just uh, play around well, with that aspect of it. Yes, and you don't you don't even have to wait a whole day. So if you give it a prompt, text prompt, uh, right? And, I'll, and this one was specifically the text prompt was. Illustration of Pandora's box, slightly open, robotic android tentacles emerging, white background, ultra detailed, comic book style. And then there's a couple of little technical uh, things up on the end as far as uh, to make it a horizontal image. So what it'll do is when you put that in, it'll give you four images back. And you can decide if you like a particular image, you can make it larger. It gives you like four thumbnails back. Uh, or you can do variations on it, or you can just do what they call roll it again. And you, you basically submit it again, and it gives you four completely different images. So it took a while for me to get 
this particular image. I had to go through quite a few iterations to get something that I really liked. And there were a lot of really failed attempts. There were things that were poking out in the wrong direction. The box was turned the wrong way. Just weird looking stuff. It impresses me how it looks, really looks like it's hand drawn and beautifully hand drawn. How much, uh, yeah. how much of that did you have to manipulate to get it to infuse with your cartoon here? Daryl, if you want to show them the next one, uh, oh, this is the image that I got back. Uh, that no, well, no, that's one of, that's one of the failed images. I didn't want to, I didn't want to treasure chest with an octopus. Um, yeah, but I can but, see many art directors thinking that's the greatest thing they've ever seen. And <laughs> yeah, know. see, that's so a great I, one. I like I like this one. This is the one I, this is the one I initially chose and I was going to use that. And I thought, you know, that just doesn't quite look like my style. Um, I don't think I can sort of pull that off. The and looming so, is important for it to be threatening. Yes. And yeah, the shadow behind the box there, was that, is that something you did or is that something that was nope, generated? This is, this is how it was generated. This See, that looks like most what most cartoonists would do as a background or kind of that. Right. So that's very convincing. Right. So this next one, that is what came out. Wow. I agree with Daryl. That looks like a, a hand-drawn sort of whimsical illustration in the style of many, many of our colleagues, including yourself. Uh -huh. So then I took that and uh, brought that into Photoshop, got a high-res version of that, and uh, basically added a, a dark background and added the little figure in the foreground that I drew with this word balloon. So... That's, that's how I did that. So a seven-hour well, cartoon it's just, turned into 10 minutes. Just beautiful. <laughs> Look at these details. I mean, the details are just beautifully hand-drawn-looking details. Mm -hmm. I'm just so impressed with this and frightened. I mean, this is really seriously now knocking people out of work. When the stock houses for photography came in, that knocked a whole lot of illustrators out of work because the ad agencies could so easily, and for nearly nothing, uh, just grab images for their comps. And then when the comps are approved, they tend to just go with the photography anyway. And we saw a huge drop in people being able to make a living in illustration. And, so is uh, uh, MidJourney and ChatGTP and all these, are they subscription-based things that some, like an art director would subscribe to and pay an annual fee and then just use it as much as he wants? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a monthly fee. And um, so I originally started out with a $10 a month plan and you get- And what do you get for that? Two, 200 hours of generating time. I'm not exactly sure how they gauge an hour because when you generate an image, it takes, you know, several minutes for it to pop up. So I, sw I recently switched to the next level up, which is $30 a month. And you get sort of an unlimited number of hours, an unlimited number of images that you can create. And uh, yeah, and you know, an art director could subscribe to this and go, you know, I want Abraham Lincoln holding a cell phone, taking a selfie, and he'd have that in minutes. He wouldn't need an illustrator anymore. No, this is the end. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really is. If they produce this, yeah, it's the end of the commercial freelance art market because this can produce something in literally 10 minutes that it would take an illustrator back and forth over the course of a week with an art director to, to produce and satisfy Right. And it's still not easy, but it's going to get easy and it's going, it's going to get easier. And I can already tell, I started using it last July and I can already tell that it's getting better. At first, our directors will probably go, no, I'm going to do it the old fashioned way. And then they're going to realize, hey, I could just crank this out myself in five minutes and be done with it. Um, Rick, you were giving me lessons in this when we were at the convention in France. And my goodness, I was so impressed. And you had a great 
portfolio of images that you played with and showed me. And we have that here right now. Let's go take a look at that. Yeah. Tell us about this one, Rick. Okay. So these are some that I did recently when we were, I know guys of a certain age like us, when we were younger, like in the seventies and eighties, there were these big daddy Roth cars. They were illustrations of these outrageous uh, cartoons cars. magazine. Yeah, cartoon. Yeah, cartoons magazine. That's right. Plus, they had the, the stickers in the packs of gum you could get with those in them too. You know. Yeah, and they had a big creature usually riding on the right, stick shift right. called Ratfink, and I tried to get it to make Ratfink, and it wouldn't do it. But I did a whole series of these sort of. Do you find that it's uh, does it react to uh, copyrighted characters like Ratfink uh, and uh, not not do that? No, it just blows right past that. It cares not for copyright at all. <laughs> yeah, well, that, this is... one of the, it's one of the issues that artists have raised is that this thing is basically going out there and scraping sure. their images. So, Well, I think that's going to be where the headwinds against the technology hit and whether they're successful or not, I don't know. But I think the legal challenge, you're going to have every cartoonist right. and art guild and animation guild and everybody hiring uh law firms to go after them, whether they have any footing or not, I don't know, but that's the only And they already have. There's 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 lawsuits right. already been filed. Well, I think yeah. every guild, the NCS, the AAC, the National Illustrate Illustrators, they've all put out statements condemning that for that very reason. Because mm -hmm. basically the AI is taking and manipulating every image on the internet, which could be your image, my image, Daryl's image, Picasso's image, right. you name it. Yeah. I uh, I avoided specifying anybody's particular style because of that concern oh there's um, your dog that's my son's dog for for christmas i wanted to give my son something different he and i have both been playing with ai so this is daisy i just went through my photos and i found a picture of daisy and my son is in film and television so i, I imported this photo of daisy and i thought i'm going to do something with photos and tv and as daisy is like a director a photo director and so um, that's the image that it came back with. Wow. That is not a photograph. And you can see the camera looks insane. You look at all the buttons and things on it. Right. But I had that printed out and framed. And uh, it, it looks like AI has a uh, preference for steampunk kind of imagery. It absolutely does. Like yeah. It absolutely does. It loves steampunk. You showed me a whole bunch of steampunk stuff that you'd done in AI. I was just so impressed. I mean, anybody who has that kind of style or inclination is out of a job now. It loves, it loves Muppets too. It loves cloth. It loves that texture. So I did a Hellraiser Muppet and I did, I did several of those. Well, do you think it likes Muppets because there's more images on the internet of Muppets that it can pull from? You think that that could be, could be. Well, you're, you're putting in keyword Muppet. Yeah. I'm putting in keyword Muppet. It could be that it likes It's Muppet. just that it does it so well. It makes you want to put in keyword Muppet. I played, I played around with it about, a, I don't know, three weeks ago and I typed in Calvin and Hobbes. And I forget what else prompts. And it came back and it had a large creature and a small creature. They didn't look human, but you could tell it was sort of like that. And I did it a couple of times and it gave me different versions, but I kept them. I don't know whether I should show them, but it's interesting. It didn't come close to it, but it kind of, you could tell it was trying. Um, right. Well, when I first started playing with this, I, I was obviously concerned about editorial cartooning and I tried specific editorial cartoonist styles. I did too. I, I think I typed in McNelly and nothing came back. No, but it knew McNelly was a cartoonist. And if you put it in somebody else's style, it gave you a different style. Uh, so it's trying. And, you know, it's only a matter of time before it gets there. 
I noticed that too, because I tried different cartoonist styles and said, including in the style of Daryl Cagle, and it didn't look like their style, but it knew they were cartoonists. Right. And it knows uh, you're a cartoonist. It, well, how, how does it know they're, what do you, when you say they know you're a cartoonist, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, it's coming back with a drawing that's obviously a cartoon, but not right. very good cartoon. Uh, right. And doesn't look like I drew it, but they know or it's a it cartoon. Look, I don't tell them it's like a cartoon. I just put my name in and it knows it's going to be a cartoon, uh, which is scary because it doesn't seem like too big a step from that to really making them look like the cartoons. Right. Well, so I think in Daryl's case, I think huh? in your case, Daryl, um, you're associated with cartoonists all, you know, all over the world. So I think that's probably even more of a prompt for it to uh, yeah I, I well tried, it is so I, good at doing doing uh, impressionist artists and uh, artists that we know the name of uh from hi art right. history it doesn't seem like a big step up from that to no not the thousands of real artists that have portfolio websites up yes and i tried i tried myself and it knew it was a cartoon and uh, some of my compatriots on counterpoint i tried their different names and it, it knew uh that they were cartoonists, they just didn't quite have their style. And it doesn't do words well at all, and it doesn't do fingers well at all. So it's a long yes, way. Yes, I've noticed about the fingers, and people talk about that, but that seems like a problem that's going to be solved probably Soon. quick because everyone talks about it. Right. I think so, too. So this is Tell us about this one. I, this is a haunted tiny house. You never, you never hear of this. <laughs> So you told it to uh, do a haunted tiny house? Yeah, I told it, you know, haunted tiny house, creepy, eerie, I, Halloween. I like, I like how it came back and the, the tiny house looks like a pumpkin, actually, you know, jack-o'-lantern a little bit. Yeah, sort of got that feel. Well, it is beautiful. And if you did a book about haunted tiny houses, this would be the book cover. Well, I just yeah. read in the, uh, the Wall Street Journal or New York Times last week that, that somebody is, uh, I think a teenager is publishing a comic book that's totally AI. Uh, and, and it's sort of, uh, you know, it's not quite uh, a manga, but it's in that kind of style, but it, which is a billion images of that on the internet. So you'll Well, that's also a new, that's also a new specific prompt they added just in the last couple of months was uh, anime. And so it really, really loves anime. And I know there's a guy who did a children's book. He got chat GPT to write it and he got new yeah. journey to illustrate. I mean, it's it's not really that great. I mean, right, but, right. I think I saw that. Yeah, but it's you know it was enough for him to put the book together and say he was the first one to do it. So. Right. Well, how did it look? Well, the problem is, and I have tried to, I've experimented with it. It's very difficult. Going back to what Brian said about getting different images, it's very difficult to get it to do the same images like multiple times, which is what you'd want. In a children's book, if you've got a character, right? We'll take take for example, just being a, a creator of a comic strip, you have to create the same character right. repeatedly every day, seven days a week for the rest of your life. It doesn't seem like it can do that currently, but right. I'm sure that that will change. Right in ten years, we'll probably, you know, who knows. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'll be standing at the unemployment line saying, "Well, I wish we hadn't have done that." You know. So what the artist did was he, he made it part of the story that the, it was, it was about a robot and a little girl or something. He made it part of the story that the robot was able to, you know, shape shift and change shape. So that sort of explained why it looked different. And right. So he, he wrote around the, uh, the yeah. programming deficiencies. Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, this is one I did during the, uh, McCarthy hearings that, that big debacle, I was just sitting there watching it and playing on my computer. And so I. 
imported an image of Matt Gates and you know, you can see it, Matt Gates in clown makeup, and that's what it gave me back. And I, I mean, it's absolutely kid, great. You know, you could do this as a magazine cover. Sure. Isn't that sure. something? I mean, look at that hair. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It's, and, and it's making uh, very thoughtful decisions about where to put the clown makeup and the attitude of the clown makeup, the circles under the eyes. It doesn't obscure the caricature. It knows that the hair is a funny thing and it's emphasizing the hair. And that knows his eyebrows are funny. We think of these as very thoughtful and not quantifiable kind of decisions. Right. It's, How it's many crazy. times did you have to take a shot at that before you came Once. back with this? Oh, really? Once. Yeah. I put it, I imported an image and it immediately came back with that. It's interesting to me that it made the decision to exaggerate the hair and it, I and know. it, it did the things that you and I and Daryl and everybody else would probably focus on instinctively, which is fascinating and also, like Daryl said, sort of scary. Yeah. We don't think of our artistic decisions as being so quantifiable as this. We think of ourselves having some kind of great talent that guides us or, I don't know, God's hand or something. How the yeah. heck do we do this? Well, you yeah. put it in an algorithm now. Well, that's to, awful. To Rick's point about the children's book that came out that was written by ChatGPT and illustrated by MidJourney or, or whatever AI pro, uh, program. Let's say you're a publisher. Why would you even bother to have writers or illustrators? You just do everything in-house and eliminate everybody. I uh, mean, we're not there yet, but eventually I think you could do that. I mean, and then there comes a point where the market will be saturated with these fabulous books that people will sort of get bored with because everything looks, you know, it's like, it's like everybody having the Mona Lisa in their house. Would the Mona Lisa be worth anything if everybody had the real Mona Lisa in their house? Um, yeah, and I'm seeing that to a certain degree on Instagram. People are sort of getting numb to it because right. everybody's got it. Everybody's got right. these cool images they're doing, you know. And it's kind of scary. It's very scary in that respect. Yeah. But you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's too late. Okay, well, Rick, here is, uh, we're going back to your cars, which I had a little out of sequence, but all the Big Daddy Roth cars, this just looks great. Look how impressive that engine is. Yeah. yeah. And speaking of the toothpaste of the tube, that's one of the metaphors I tried to, I tried to do, genie in a bottle. I could not get the AI to understand that or give me anything. Really? I also tried, I also tried scanning in my own sketch, importing that and trying to see if it could take a drawing that I had done sort of render that in a way that was usable and it it worked a little bit it did it did give me back an illustration it just wasn't anything i thought i could use looked any good but that was that was kind of cool and what version of mid-journey are we currently on the market right now uh mid-journey is up to four but it automatically updates you can go back and play in some of the earlier versions do you so anticipate do, doing more of these in your cartoons rick no i don't I mean, uh, you know, if you wanted to, I think it's great to have a real editorial cartoonist do this rather than all of the aspiring editorial cartoonists that I anticipate will be submitting this. Uh, right. I'd love to see it. I think it's fascinating. You've certainly found all of the ways to yank great images out of it. This is a great yeah. one. Look at that. Yeah. I, you know, I really wanted to do this particular cartoon because it was about AI. It's a shame you couldn't invent a time machine and go back to like the 1970s and you're the only one with AI. You would, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you'd be, uh, that's, that's what you could, you would do if you went back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was uh, a series of 
Star Wars, Wars DeLorean vehicles. Yeah, Star Wars. I imported a picture of a DeLorean and sort of crossed it with an uh, X-wing fighter. Oh, you did it specifically as X-wing fighter DeLorean. Yes. Well, I saw the yes, X-wing fighter on the Volkswagen coming up next. But that's no, no, a that's, a tie, that's a Tie Fighter. Oh, the Tie Fighter. Of course. I'm sorry. Yes. That's terrible. And I'm supposed to be an editor. All right. So I did. Here it I is. Have, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and did so you the Tie a, Fighter Volkswagen. Yeah. Did you import the image of a Volkswagen or did that pull that yes, out? Yes, I did. I, I believe I, I went to the trouble of getting a black one and I imported the Volkswagen. And again, this t- took some doing. This didn't just pop out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, th- I think I said in the style of an imperial TIE fighter. I also notice here that the uh, the AI had its fingers over the lens. Yeah, I couldn't get it to not do that. Um, what does that what mean? About. Yeah, I have no it. idea. I have no idea. It just just an artifact of what it was. You know, all of them had that on that particular car. Yeah, if you were going to use that image, it would be easy to correct. Yeah, but yeah, uh, you could. Cr- crop it out but it's, yeah, it's yeah. frustrating when you can't get it to do what you want it to do well fascinating so which so what was one, this one this one was uh this one started out as one of those panel station wagons like uh, from national lampoon's vacation that oh yeah Clark huh. griswold was driving around and i crossed it with a star destroyer and i thought this was a lot of fun i would love that to have a star, De- star destroyer station yeah, the, wagon. the famous family truckster i think that's what yeah exactly right oh this is all great stuff. I'm very impressed with it. So this one uh, started with an image of the Terminator, and I crossed it with a bunch of different things. Uh, obviously, this is a Minion Terminator. This is an R2-D2 Terminator. Yeah, I'm sure Disney, if you tried to publish that, they'd send their uh, cease and desist for sure. <laughs> Probably so, yeah. Good way to get in trouble. Yeah. So tell us about this one. Okay, so this was uh, fairly early on when I started playing with it. And you can tell the AI to do different styles of things. So I was thinking about sort of a Harper's Magazine lithograph from like, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. And so this was a steampunk submarine fighting a tentacle creature in a style of a lithograph. Yeah, that's right out of Jules Verne right there. Yeah, that's what I was shooting for. And it's beautiful. You know, the colors are so thoughtful. Um, oh, it's incredible. And the way, did you prompt anything to give it some age? Because look, it looks like some age, you know, the way the, the background, there's little white dots that look at it, like it's an aged photograph almost. No, it, it, it does that on its own. And it looks like it, there's some sort of type indicated at the bottom. It gives it like a, this raw border to make it look like an old page. And wow. uh, I, did a, I did a whole series of this, but you could tell it. Egyptian hieroglyphs. You could tell I've done, uh, you know, tin type photograph of you know orcs, and it'll and it looks like an old photograph. Uh, or you could do a Polaroid, or you could do. So, are uh, there any restrictions? Like, I'm sure people are doing pornography and other things like that. I mean, is there any restrictions it won't do? Yeah, it will not do pornography. Um, it won't do yet. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Well, this particular AI won't do that. People are trying to do workarounds on that. And mm-hmm. if you do, they'll, they'll ban you. Um, right. It won't, it won't do like bloody imagery, graphic gore or anything like that. If you do it too many times and if they catch you trying to cheat, they'll kick you out. But those are the, really the only restrictions that I've found so far is that sort of thing. This is all just fascinating. And yeah. I appreciate that you've explored it so thoroughly. 
my little bit of playing with it, I could see that you really have to develop a skill to be able to get good stuff out of it. But when you find out all those sweet spots, my goodness, it's a treasure, uh, an evil treasure that threatens us all. Right. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Yeah, you got to learn how to talk to it, um, learn how to get the best images out of it. And a lot of it is seeing what other people are doing and then sort of just piggybacking off of that. Rick, we have a collection of your 10 most popular cartoons that you have ever drawn. That's measured okay. by how many newspaper editors chose to reprint the cartoon. And I wondered if you might want to comment on all of those if we we're done sure. talking about AI. Yeah, let's do it. All right, here you go. This is your most popular cartoon among newspaper editors, reprinted more than any other cartoon you have ever drawn. That is really surprising to me. <laughs> uh, this one I did uh, during the impeachment, uh, one of the impeachments. Let's say it's 2020. I think that was the second one. Rick, I should say, this is also an audio podcast, so... I have to describe and okay. read the cartoons yeah. for the people that can't see the pictures. You've got sure. an old man waving his cane. He's got a nurse standing next to him, and he says, It's late. I'm tired. Do I have to keep watching this impeachment? And the nurse says, Yes, Senator. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was obviously a commentary on how many really, really old people we have in Congress. I don't know what was going on at the time, but... Something struck me about all the ages of everybody. I think probably I was watching the hearings and they were nodding off and that sort of thing. It was getting late. Those those impeachment hearings, I think we're going until like 2 a.m. or something. And yeah, anything after sleep. 4 p.m. and everybody wants to go to sleep. So Okay, this uh, second most popular cartoon ever uh, came in very close to number one and also ran in over 200 newspapers. You've got the nurse with her needle and a poster behind her says, get your COVID vaccine now with pumpkin spice. It's got a pumpkin in it. It looks delicious. And she says, hey, at this point, we'll try anything. Well, you know, pumpkin spice is always good for a laugh in the fall. So I, think I have okay. noticed that cartoons that reference pumpkin spice perform very well. Right. Uh, Which is one of the reasons I did it. Okay. Here's your number three cartoon. You've got the guy at the computer calling back to his wife and says, that's odd. My Facebook friends who were constitutional scholars just a month ago are now infectious disease experts. Yeah, it's uh, I think that was at the onset of, uh, yeah, 3 3, express March 3rd, 2020. Everybody, you know, everybody that was on right Facebook. at the beginning. Yeah. That was what editors wanted to hear then. And I've noticed editors have a proclivity for liking cartoons that are critical of uh, social media. You were asking earlier, One of I remember one of my favorite cartoons now was that the guy guy was laying on his deathbed and just told his wife to come in closer. Something I have to tell you, I wish I had more time to argue with that guy on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, that was a popular one, but it was not in your top 10. Yeah. And also there's a little bit of justice here. Would you describe a cartoon that we're not showing? The audio people are on equal footing with the video. <laughs> yeah. So here's your number... Four. Another another COVID cartoon. I'm spotting a trend here. That's a great cartoon. Love the sweaters. Love the sweaters. Thank you. People, I mean, the editors liked cartoons about COVID that had kind of a positive attitude. You know, there was so much uh, death and horror and calamity and COVID monsters with all their spiky round things and big teeth. And this yeah. is really what the editors wanted. Which for the people listening at home is... Uh, Two, two people in ugly Christmas sweaters fist bumping under the mistletoe. Oh, very good. Masked 
So here we've got Mr. Death with his scythe, and he's coming to the door talking to the old lady. And the old lady says, I'm sorry, dear, but you'll have to come back later. It's football season and the game is on. Yes, very, very, very popular in the South. We, we love our college football. I just tried to do a, a football cartoon or two in the fall. Well, they love the football cartoons. Okay, here are the aliens coming out of the big spaceship, talking to a guy holding a UFO report in his hand. The alien says, Kamakana swearing, No, don't take me to your leader. I'm sick of politics. This one? Well, obviously, it was when that UFO report came out, and we were probably in the middle of some arguing about Trump doing something. I can only imagine that's what was going on at the time. But the good news is, with all these objects we're shooting down, you know, maybe we can revisit some. Yeah, that one's an evergreen one. Yeah, run that one again. Yeah, shoot them down. All right, this one was very popular. You know, cartoons that that express uh, horror, terror, disgust, unhappiness with the current or previous year are standards for editorial cartoonists. Every year is the worst. Yeah. And this particular one was uh, in the middle of 2020, which was a particularly terrible year. And so it was Halloween time, and I love drawing monsters. This is Frankenstein being terrified of the little figure uh, in the in the ghost outfit, just a little child, just as 2020. So it's um, uh, if I can also use no words or as few words possible, I do try to do that. Yeah, it's very effective. Good cartoon. Excellent cartoon. Thank you. Oh, now this one is one of my favorites of yours, and it's just a charming cartoon. And I love how the you can look at the backpack and you can see how the shadow is made. And editors loved it too. Thanks. Um, when I back when I had a job, I would always try to do a back to school cartoon every year. You know, little kids overreacting to having to go back to school. That was a, I was trying to come up with some different way of showing that. And that's, that's how I ended up on that. Also, no, no real words for, for those who can't see. It's a little kid, uh, his, his backpack is filled with rollers and lunchbox and it's casting a shadow on the wall, uh, this evil looking shadow on the wall. He's, he's and it's there. just beautifully designed so that you can see how the shadow was constructed from the way the junk is in the backpack. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, it's a beautiful Thanks. cartoon. Yeah, and uh, also, nice. you're so subtle with your color. Um, you know, we get uh, complaints from editors often about the cartoons not being colorful enough. They're paying to have color on the editorial page and have a cartoon printed in color. They, by God, they want to see some bright colors. So when wow. a cartoonist does something in, in uh, sepia tone or, or uh, something muted or lovely browns and we get complaints, you know, I want red, yellow, blue and no complaints on this one because it's so beautiful. And, you know, just the fact that you have rendered the gray tones in color on this is uh, charming and thoughtful and uh, makes the cartoon all that much more sophisticated and artsy. I mean, if this is, this is, you compare it to this with a black and white version of the same cartoon, this little bit of color is just so charming. Well, thank you. I felt like it sort of evoked that sort of old style horror movie kind of feel, yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, no, beautiful cartoon. It works well Thank and you. it's a great visual. Thanks, guys. Okay. Here you've got big fat Uncle Sam with big government on his belly as a label. And he's holding an ice cream cone and a burger. And he says, 
in 2021, I resolved to keep working on my weight. This is a classic. This is, uh, yeah, this is Can't the thing we've all drawn, but you know, do a better job of drawing it. It's, uh, it's just what the editors always want. Can't go wrong with fat, fat, big government. Okay. And this is your number 10. You've got two guys in masks. One mask is just your traditional COVID mask. The other mask is a gas mask. And COVID mask guy says, don't you think that's a bit much for COVID? And gas mask guy says, COVID, this is for pollen. You know, so funny. There can't be a more innocuous cartoon than a pollen cartoon. <laughs> But um, people love them. And I did them when I worked in Augusta. People love them. And I, I would try to do a pollen cartoon every year because it was such a big thing. Uh, everybody dealing with the pollen. I, I have my right. allergies. You know, so. And nobody's offended by a pollen cartoon. Right. Rick, you made news with this. I, I, don't think, uh, I don't think anyone else has had a syndicated uh, AI-generated cartoon before. And this is a beautiful cartoon. And Thanks. Uh, I just... I'm I'm very impressed with it, and I encourage you to do more. But I don't encourage anyone else to do more. I push yeah, yeah. Oh, very good. I should point out too. If you look uh, under the logo here, I'll take the logo off. Uh, you can see it says "Augmented with Mid Journey AI," uh, which is very nice of you to credit the AI. But you know, AI is not allowed to get copyrights, and, and typically we put these little uh, notices in cartoons as an acknowledgement to the copyright or trademark holder. It's kind of uh, the legal advice we're giving to you know to to do that. In this case, there is no copyright holder, and I wondered why you were so generous to uh, credit Majority AI. You know, because I didn't draw that, and it kind of feels like cheating, and uh, and it kind of is cheating. So I, I well, to that to acknowledge, I wanted to acknowledge. That if you take that image and you, at what point can you alter it to where it becomes your own and, and it does fall under your own copyright or your own license? What, when would that happen? Well, that's a question for the lawyers and I'm yeah. sure it's a gray area and not something us non-lawyers can address. I appreciate you guys having me and it was good to well, see you. Well, we appreciate you being a Kegel cartoonist for, what is it, 15 years now? Uh, at least yeah um, you're great and you're always among the most popular and and you don't draw any duds i appreciate it <laughs> everything you do is great so we, we love you rick yeah we're big yeah. fans rick we're big fans oh and i'm fans of you guys too so let's get to oh, i should friends. say rick rick also draws two comic strips which is just crazy i can't imagine how you can do two comic strips and the editorial I, cartoons i can't either I can't <laughs> he draw either. he took over pluggers the old jeff right. mcnelly Gary Brooken's strip, and you draw Mount Pleasant, which is just a, a wonderful comic strip. Oh, I appreciate it very much. Yeah, I, I love the comic strip. It's great. Thank you all for uh, joining our cast today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please click to subscribe wherever you're seeing the podcast. Come back and see us because every episode of Cast is a wonderful, exciting episode, and you can't afford to miss any of these. So, uh, Goodbye to everyone, and we will see you on the next Kegel cast. Uh, don't miss our top tens of the week. We do those a whole lot. Visit us on kegel.com if you haven't. If you're listening to the audio podcast and you haven't seen any of the images, come visit us on uh, darylkegel.com, where I post the images with each episode, and also visit us on kegelcast.com, where you can also see the images. Thank you, and we will see you uh, on the next Kegel cast. Thanks, Daryl. Thanks, Rick. Thanks, guys.